I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. I'm joined today by my chief staff, Hallie Warner. Hallie, it's a wonderful day today in almost 90 degrees in Vermont. I've been outside since I know, this it's morning. Awesome. I yeah. know. And especially because over the weekend it was like 30. Yeah, I, I, I like that though. <laughs> 30 or the 90? I, well, I like both. Yes. Yeah. My, my, my daughter asked me the other day, we're in the hot tub. She goes, you have to pick summer or winter. Ooh. I know. I said, summer. I can't. Summer for me. She's like, you have to. I'm like, I don't know if I can. <laughs> and I said, can I pick fall? <laughs> and she's like, summer or winter? Because I love mountain biking and gravel. And yeah. I also love what summer does for swimming and all that stuff. But then I love skiing so much yeah. and skinning. It's like. Never it, winter, unless we're talking about winter in Florida. That's true. Cause then it's really nice. Yeah. I'm just curious what you, what do you think about it? Cause it's hard to make. I was really like really caught in that decision. Some people are very easy. Like you were like summer. Definitely. Yeah. Summer like in Vermont. Sienna's like summer. Definitely. Yeah. Asher's like winter. Right. Like oh, he's he just, loves yeah, he loves yeah. skiing. Yeah. I think he actually said it to make me like, yes. Yes. Cause he knows I love skiing. So yeah. he's like it's winter, but I actually think he likes summer better. <laughs> I just think he said it cause there, um, but anyways, it, part, part of the, I bring it up because you know, what we're going to jump into today is the, you know, the chemistry of a transformation or the five kind of changes of making a major life change of direction. Um, or, you know, when I, when I thought about that question, like, you know, if you had to pick, you know, or make a change of like to go live in one season, you know, how the, how does that happen? Um, and really we're going to follow, uh, uh, Tony Robbins did this really cool thing on super soul Sunday that he talked about the chemistry of a transformation, but I actually heard him back in 2011 or 12, I heard him do this in date with destiny Mm -hmm. for, for eight days. And he did this for about a couple hours and this whole thing about chemistry of a transformation. And I really, it took shape with me because during that time I was making a lot of changes in my life and and things that I wanted to do. So I've kind of held that uh, in line. And within within last week, we started teaching this again um, to a project two class because they, they asked about, you know, how to make changes. And I think um, there's a, path. And I think if there's a model and if people understand what is going through, you know, the psychology of a change, or again, as Tony talks about the chemistry of the transformation of a change, you can easily more recognize where you are and then what steps have prevented you from before. So just like anything, success leaves clues. So if you want to make a major change in your life, then you, you can follow these five steps to kind of see where you're at. Um, and I, I just think there's a good roadmap. So what's number one? Yes. Stage one is satiation. Yes. Yes. Um, and really in, in satiation, it's really about, it's not like you're in pain. So stage one is kind of, I'm experiencing too much of something, right? There's just too much. And there's an easy example of saying, if you were eating, you know, steak and lobster every single day and, uh, you know, and that was your favorite meal after a certain period of time, you're having too much of this one thing. And really in this satiation stage, it starts to, and I want you, as you're listening to this, I want you to think about this as how, how maybe this has led to you making changes and, or maybe one of these stages you're currently in mm-hmm. and you need to make a change in some direction of your life, right? And in, in any one of the modalities of your life, financial, health, work, business, any of those things, right? Family, social. So this is, you may, you may just start to feel restless. I think that's the word in satiation, whereas like there's something that needs to change. You're not in a lot of pain though. And I think that's the key here is that you're not, it's not enough pain where it's forcing you to go out and change that comes later, but it's just this restlessness. And I think we all can get there, right? It's like every day you come home and you're just a little bit more restless. And it's, it's almost like it's building up. Like it's like bottling up and starting to push and push and push. And I can experience this in my own life of these changes. When I, I think one of the reasons why it was so powerful for me is when I made a big change in my life when I was 16, it had, I had basically worked through these five stages for 16 years, 15 to 16 years, right? Is this 
well, call it maybe 10 to 15 years, just and uh, um, you know, 10 to 12 years. The first couple of years, I probably didn't really, as a baby, I didn't really know. But um, in my early childhood years, I think that I worked through these stages and towards the end, it was just, there was no other option. Um, and so you start to feel like this restlessness inside and you're not quite sure why. And I think that's where people, then they start searching for something, right? That's, but they, they're just, there's a restlessness. And then you start to get to where things start to get interesting. And this is the dissatisfaction. Well, let me go back to stage one for a second. So there's some things you can do here, by the way, in stage one, when you start to feel restlessness, instead of allowing it to build up even more, you can actually do some self-inquiry and start using a journaling method. You can just talk it out. You can have a, you know, um, you can go for a walk and think it through whatever you need to do to say, well, wh- I wonder why this is happening. So you can actually prevent these from getting to major events that need to then blow up or something along those lines. If you don't, if you don't correct it. Um, so, you know, for instance, if you're feeling restlessness at work, you know, what is it? And it could be as simple as, you know, we had this conversation a couple, couple weeks ago, Hallie, about changing up your calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a restlessness of like, I don't have any more time. Right. And it's like starting to build up and build up. And you're like, I have no free time in, in my, I, how many times do we hear that? Right. I have no free time. Well, what if you just stopped and say, well, maybe I do have time. Maybe I need to reprioritize my calendar. So then it, you kind of fix the problem before it becomes, you know, you think, a major one. Do you think that's that to me, that's the stage two dissatisfaction? Yeah. I think it can be in both full stages and it's not like there's a cutoff. Yeah. It's like it kind of bleeds Bleed. into it, like the ink blot. So that's why I'm saying you could be in stage one or you could get to stage two, which is real dissatisfaction. Yeah. When you were talking about the calendar, it, you know, it's like having, you start having this negative reaction to something and yeah. I was like, uh, you know, negative, re- having a negative reaction to not having any free time. Yeah. But you know, the thing is you probably recognize that into some sort of, you know, there's not enough free time in my, in my calendar for many months. And so my point was in stage one, if you recognize that early on, you may not get into dissatisfaction because you recognizing there's a need for a change earlier on in your life. Mm. That's why I was saying in stage one, if you are aware of it and paying attention to it, you can hopefully make these changes earlier in one of these stages. Um, so then the second stage is dissatisfaction. This is where you're really having a negative reaction to something, right? Your energy is shift shifted negatively. Um, and, by the way, this is where the sensation of pain starts to creep into your life, where it goes from just being restless to really starting to have pain in your life. And of course, when you kind of go into stage two, in the beginning, it may not feel like a ton of pain, but towards the end, as you get towards more stage three, it starts to be very, very painful. And so you can use that example of your calendar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the dissatisfaction thing that um, is that is when it's something that you used to do that would be fulfilling to you now starts having like a negative impact or something, or like is just not fulfilling anymore. Yeah. Which is that satiation moving to dissatisfaction. So what happened with your calendar for that? Well, I feel like the satiation about experiencing too much of something. I was experiencing way too many meetings Yeah, and for a while, you know, it's totally fine. And you're just like, Oh yeah, I'm having all these brainstorming sessions and great and whatever, whatever. And then after a while it's like, okay, I am getting sick of these meetings. There's way too many. I, I don't have free time. I don't have time to think. Um, and that's when I moved into the dissatisfaction, I would say where I was like starting, it started to impact, um, my ability to work on larger projects or just have some sanity. Um, (laughs) so how long do you think you stayed in that stage for? Oh, a long time. Years? No, no, not years. Um, I think it really increased probably maybe the six months, I yeah. would say probably past six months or yeah. so. Yeah. And these stages, they can be over a course of a decade or longer, or they can be course of a shorter period, depending on the, the, the decision. Like a lot of times people, 
creep up towards these five stages when they hit like a certain number, 30, 40, 50, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow when you hit 50, you start contemplating your life and then there's other opportunities. So we get to those different stages, but they can go. And and the thing is, once you know these stages, you can, you can work through them fast in smaller things uh, or these bigger, bigger life events that, that can happen. And I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you can necessarily skip over a step. You can just cut down on how long you're yeah, in one of these that's stages. That's exactly right. Okay. That's, especially if you start to identify it early on. Like when you start yes. to get really dissatisfied, there starts to be a lot of pain that settles in. That's when I think you you did a great job there where the pain was settling in there. Um, and I actually think you may have even gone into a, a stage three there to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. you started getting towards the end of stage two, which is that dissatisfaction where there was starting to be a lot of pain that was actually happening there. Mm-hmm. And then the stage three, which is where it's a threshold. Right. Right. Where you just feel like you can't take it anymore and that something has to change. Yeah. Like something is going to change in my life. And I think people get to this. And again, you can think of this as in larger term concepts when you're, when you're thinking about in your own life, but they get to a point where like, I can't take anymore. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's, you know, a job that they're in. Maybe it's, you know, something that they're health, right? Maybe it's how they're spending their money, Mm -hmm. how they're spending their time. And we saw this with COVID by the way, and during the pandemic of how, in terms of how people were spending their time. And they didn't know how to get out of it. And I think one of the, one of the things that the, the benefits of COVID, if there is, was that um, people got to kind of reassess their life. And this was almost like a pause button to say, what was bringing me joy and what wasn't? And I think people were more at this kind of like, I can't take it. Like I'm, you know, even in housing, we saw this as like people for the last decade or more used housing as like a utilitarian pad. It was like a locker room. So I always referred to as like people would, especially with kids, you would just, every day there was three events happening, birthday parties, school events, play dates, sports. And so you're running home from work, jumping in there, trying to grab something, running out and you weren't home till nine o'clock. You're getting up the next morning and doing it all over again. And your home just became a, a jump pad, right? A locker room and as a place to hold everything. And it's why people didn't, it wasn't a house anymore. It was, just, it was a utility, right? Yeah. It's really what it was. And, and so I think people, when they did this, now the psychology has changed around this or the chemistry, the transformation has changed around this where people said, I don't want to do this anymore. That was too much pain. I didn't really do this. Now I want my house to be a home and I want it to be a place that we can work. I think I, I read something where people are spending um, nine more hours a day in their house. And I think that'll change as we a enter bit, into yeah. waking back up. But I think there's a, there's validness there. Even if it goes back to four or five more hours per day, then people are looking at their house completely differently. So I think that's a, that's a good example for it. Um, so you have stage one, which is satiation, which is a restlessness feeling kind of where you're at. Number two, which is dissatisfaction, which is you're starting to you know, I can't, I, having a negative reaction to this, I, you know, I'm, I'm pain is settling in and it's starting to intensify. Then stage three is where you're like, dude, I'm done. I'm done. Right. I'm, I'm ready to go. Not another day, not another hour, not another moment. And this is where towards the end where it gets to that point. Now, the funny thing is a lot of people get there in their lives in these stages. Most people before probably didn't discuss it or talk about it, but people get there in their life. And when you're at this kind of stage three, and one thing I, I, I drill and drills the wrong word. I really try to teach to my kids is when they find this level that they're in their life where there's something that's just no more, not another moment. Like it's okay to make the next step, the next change, right? It's fine. Like don't, what most people do when they get to this stage is they go, they see for a moment, which is stage four, the truth. They see for a moment the truth, which is it's up to me to change this thing. Nobody else is going to do this. It's up to me to change. They almost see this like this moment of truth, a moment of insight. It's like an opening, whatever you want to refer to it as. They see another path. 
There's another way to go about life this way, right? And when people start to see this, the interesting thing is I think people get to the stage and they see the path, but then if they don't make the change, because I think here is you have to start taking action towards that truth. If you don't, you end up covering it up and pretending it doesn't exist. I'm not worthy to do this. I can't do this. I couldn't quit my job. I couldn't be that person. Your mind starts settling in and starts distracting you why you can't go change this. Because remember, the mind doesn't want you to go do that because if you do, then you're taking control of the mind because the mind's been the one controlling you anyways. And so in this stage, it's really... You know, Tony, when he taught this, he, he talked about you had seconds to do this and it may be a little bit longer than that, but we all know what I'm talking about. You have that, you see that moment right there where you have this opportunity to do something and you can either take action towards it or you push it back down. Mm-hmm. And then when you push it back down, you spend so much energy trying for it to not come back up because you don't want the restlessness. You don't want this pain. I was going to say, and very often, if you don't make that change, you're back at the yes, exactly. satiation, dissatisfaction threshold, and you get to the truth again. And then you just... <laughs> but you don't do anything and exactly. then you just go, you just keep going through the cycle. Yeah. And so when you, when you get back to the top too, it's, it keeps coming up because it's trying to get, it's trying to get you to make a change. Like your astral body is very, very powerful and very, very intelligent. Like if you break your arm, your, your, what does your body do? It sends you signals. It says there's something wrong with your arm. It's funny. I was mountain biking this, this, this over the weekend and I, um, I was in a new area and I was up on this ladder, uh, this ladder, gap and it went up it was like seven feet high onto this like a rock and then it dropped to another ladder and I, I got up to the top and I was going pretty fast and I hit my brake just a little too much and I started going over and I just in that moment like it was like I always teach us like when you're in like that fear moment of real fear like there's nothing I wasn't going like oh I wonder what this is gonna happen it was like survival mode yeah I was actually afterwards I was like man I can't believe I didn't get more hurt, but like I fell from like six feet, clipped into my bike, flipped over, hit the bridge, flipped back over on this thing. If anybody's seen it, it would have looked ridiculous. I remember later, I'm like, okay, nothing's broken, <laughs> but there's a lot of pain, right? Yeah. Like, and I get to sense that pain. It was telling me there's something wrong. So anyways, it was just kind of a reminder of that. And, uh, in that, and when you're, when you hurt something in your body, it sing, sends signals to you that says, and you correct it, right? If you have a runny nose, you like, I may have a cold. I, you do what you do to correct it. If you have a broken arm, it feels it right. Mm-hmm. Well, your astro body is you, you're, you're, energy body, it's really what your astrobotogy is, is, is telling you it, it speaks differently. It doesn't speak in pain and, and it doesn't really speak in words. It sends you signals that says, Hey, you should feel restless because I'm trying to get this, you to make a change. Well, I was going to say, maybe it doesn't speak in physical pain, but it does. Yes. And psycho- yes. psychological or emotional or spiritual pain. Yeah. It kind of, it transforms into that. It's like trying to get you to like, Hey, make this change, make this change. You're like, it's the truth and, and you see it. And it's like, every time it's like, Hey, if you don't keep doing this, I'm going to make a change for you. It's like life will talk softly until it slaps you across the face to make a big change. And that may show up as a more of a disaster that could have been avoided. Right. Because it wants you to be, you know, wants you to evolve. And the only way it can evolve is if you make these changes. So you start to see this truth that comes in there, right? The truth of your life. Um, you know, and a great example of this and um, I was talking with somebody the other day and, and they had a wonderful conversation with their partner and they're, they're splitting up and it was, it was wonderful, but it's such a great example of the truth. And, you know, they were suffering themselves and the other partner wasn't suffering and they sat down with them and they said, you know, I was suffering and angry at you because you weren't suffering like I was. And I said, what, what beautiful truth that is. And they're like, well, cheers to our next adventure of, you know, whatever that looks like they're for them, they're not together, but that was, that was their phase. And like, when she, when they realized the truth about that, like, it was like, I am, I'm hurting because I wanted to really the other person to hurt. Yeah. 
And it was just the truth. Or they're not showing up the way that they expected them to or wanted them. Yeah. Or like, how come you're not feeling the same pain that I am and just, you should be or blah, blah, blah. And you get all caught up in this. Instead of when you recognize that truth, then it gives you to the, the fifth stage, which is the opening. And that's when they engaged in a conversation They brought it out and, and opened it right up to have it. And then they had a beautiful exchange of relationship, right? And then they, they moved on. But that's, that's the truth that we see. And that's an example and more of like a conversational or a physical one. But this, this truth, people get to this and they see the path. They see the opening. Now, what, what prevents them from going through is fear. Right. Fear of the unknown, fear of getting a divorce, fear of losing my job, fear of not having money, fear of everything, right? That psychological fear blocks people from this fifth stage, which is the opening. And I was going earlier, I was telling, I was teaching my kids this and I always get, and I say, Hey, if you see an opportunity, you see the truth and the truth doesn't need explanation. It's just the truth. And when you see that path, you take your opening, you take your opening. And when you do it, who knows where that's going to lead you. But that's, that is being authentic to yourself. That is living authentic. Truth isn't like walking around being a badge of telling people whether you like their outfit or not. That's not the truth. The truth is just being very real with yourself that then comes across very authentic. It's not a badge to go out there and berate people. It, the truth is just you not needing anybody to act a certain way. So you, therefore you can actually speak in any way because it's the truth. There's no, just like a child speaks the truth. If you have something in your teeth, it's weird and weird. They say it, but no energy attached to it. And they're just speaking the truth, right? It's just fun, at least their truth. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's all truth. So um, when you see this opening, this is where you, we have to decide that I'm taking a leap. And I think this is really critical for people because people get to that opening, they see it and they very rarely jump through there. Yeah. I was going to say they hesitate. They, it's the fear, right? They hesitate. Yes. And again, you go back to the, you go back to the beginning of the cycle. Yeah. And they, and then well, the, the thing is with that, then it gets displaced somewhere else. Because the energy has to come up. Then it's like, well, I go buy this to try to satisfy this, this restlessness. Or I, I go and, and do something smaller scale that probably doesn't even need to be changed because you haven't dealt with the root of the problem. It's like you're trying to water a leaf, getting the tree to grow. Like you got to go fix the root. And these changes, the chemistry of these changes are all, um, are all part of changing the root that's within you. And so this last stage of the opening is I'm making a change. I see the breakthrough. The truth has shown up. There's an opening. And that opening is there for, for moments, for seconds, for maybe a day. And you got to take action on that. And the thing is, when you're ever coaching people, you can't coach people. You can't push people through that opening. If you do, then people will, could regress because they weren't really wanting to go through there. Mm-hmm. You push them through. So people, you can hold their hand, but people need, you can maybe nudge them softly, but people need to be able to walk through that opening. It's like when you can see something for somebody else so clearly and they're not willing to do it. If you just go tell them what to do, they're not going to do it. What does that mean? Is that because they haven't actually seen the truth yet? They see the truth. They don't want to recognize it as the truth. And they don't want to take action on it. Well, they don't want the fear stops them from accepting the truth. And so therefore they pretend the truth doesn't exist, even though they know it is. And in that moment, they, well, they, even if you, somebody knew what the truth is, they may still choose not to act on it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think most people do. I think if you were, if people were honest with themselves and you said, how many people are at this stage where they can see, you know, it's up to me to change this thing. And, and I see this moment, I see this opportunity. People make, can make, people are there. A lot of people are. Mm-hmm. And it's just whether or not 
are you going to go make the change? And it, look, I'm not saying you go out there and quit your job. That's not what I'm saying at all or get divorced but or that, anything. But if that is your truth. It could be. Yeah. It just start with these things. And as you start to apply them, they, and here's the, the biggest cool, the biggest thing that you get from all this. When you actually work through this, this chemistry of a transformation and you go through it, you realize that it's scary as heck on the other side, but it's actually where life is. It's the isness of life. It's the means of life. It's actually you progressing, you're evolving. And so then it becomes easier and easier throughout your life because you recognize that, you know what, this didn't fault me. It's like even in spiritual circles, one of the biggest things that you'll be faced with if you go down this real spiritual path is the death of the ego and it'll feel like a real death. And it feels so real about what is dying, what you're giving up because this sense of identity, these concepts, these images, these roles you play, all of this that you're so attached to, letting go of that. That's why when even Jesus talked about you have to die before you're born, right? When you, when you have to let go of that, it feels like a real death. And the reason why people don't let go of that is because the fear, how am I going to make money? How am I going to survive? Like it's a whole fear that they've caught up in until you actually do it and you listen to the people, the masters that have gone through this and they say, Yes, you're going to say no to that, but you don't realize it's your life could look different, but it'll be completely different. You'll be filled with, you actually, you'll have what you've been looking for through all that anyways. And you have to just accept it, whether that's faith in the beginning, that everything will work out the way it is and life's evolving for you, whatever that trusting in the consciousness or the development of world, whatever that is, you have to be willing to do that. And if you're not, then um, you just, you end up just packaging things on top of it. So they're trying to keep it down, but it's like a teapot, you know, at some point the, the lid's going to blow. And I, and, and part of it is, is when, when the lid does blow, you may not be able to control yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not, you understand that it's not, you didn't want to, it just something took over. Right. And that's what happens. The more you repress these things, this, this bottle builds up and you end up exploding somehow on your kids and your partner or doing something else. Instead of working through these things on a daily basis, this is transformation. This is spiritual transformation. This is personal transformation. This is growth, whatever you want to refer to it as, because you're literally working through the fear of all these stages. And the, and the cool thing is if you can learn to do these stages faster, they start to accelerate your life and you start to actually put it in and go like, huh, this actually, this is pretty cool. My life took a different direction, but you know what? I, I feel amazing because I'm no longer tethered to some outcome of fear that is really controlling me. And you're living in alignment with you your truth. Yes, you, you are. And I think we hear that a lot about the, I want to live more authentically. Mm-hmm. And these are, this is a model to live more authentically. It's, it's a model to live more from your truth because you're the only one that knows how restless you feel. You can put a really good show on, right. And you can walk in there and be the happiest person. But you know, there's plenty of people that, that I know that are just amazingly outwardly. And then all of a sudden when you, when they sit down and talk with you, how depressed they are. Mm-hmm. And that's, be, that's a lot of it because they had the opportunity to change something about themselves or make a change or whatever that looked like and go through this transformation. And again, it, this isn't about, this isn't even about contributing to the world. This is about just you evolving. And this is part of that path to making changes. And so, you know, if you can teach this to, you know, you can apply this and use it for yourself. You can teach this to the kids. You can do any of these different things with it of really recognizing what stage you're at and knowing what you have to go through. And, and part of that is if you can, you, you sit the, sati- the satiation or get the dissatisfaction, you can really start to make the other stages go faster by recognizing where you are and then doing some self-inquiry going, why do I really feel restless right now? What's really happening right now? And then as you start to, even Steve Jobs said, he goes, you know, if you look in the mirror and you're unhappy with your life more than like what, three or four days in a row, mm-hmm. then there may be some time to do some self-inquiry. 
And it's the same type of thing. If there's something that's really dissatisfying in your life, you have the opportunity to change this. Nobody else is responsible for changing it. Look, life owes you nothing, nothing. And if that's your starting position, you don't, you don't feel entitled. If life owes you nothing, it gave you everything. It gave you a life. So it doesn't owe you anything else, but the experience of life. So therefore you recognize, well, it's up to me to change. And is that change scary? Yes. Do you, can you really see the truth? Most of the time, if you're able to recognize where you are, you can see this truth and you can make the change. Just are you willing to do it? Are you going to be stifled from fear or are you going to be willing to make the change even though it's going to be scary as heck? You don't know where it's going to go. But I will tell you, that is where the opportunity to truly live your life is. Hey, before you go today, I want to give a shout out to everyone who has left us a review. It really makes a huge impact and helps us spread the word about our podcast. This review is from ES Dunn. Love to listen to Adam and Hallie's podcast. I'm always inspired and challenged to change and be a better person. Love that. I love the positivity and that they share their successes, how to add, and our failures with their listeners. Thank you so much for sending that and for leaving a review. We really look forward to reading these every time they come in. So thanks again.